Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading... The White Snake! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! A long time ago, there lived a king who was famed for his wisdom through all the land. Nothing was hidden from him, and it seemed as if news of the most secret things was brought to him through the air. But he had a strange custom. Every day, after dinner, when the table was cleared and no one else was present, a trusty servant had to bring him one more dish. It was covered, however, and even the servant did not know what was in it, nor did anyone know, for the king never took off the cover to eat until he was quite alone. Okay, it's mysterious. Mm. What's he chowing down on uh, oh, wow. in secret? I can't wait to find out. <laughs> now this had gone on for a long time, when one day the servant, who took the dish away, was overcome with such curiosity that he could not help carrying the dish into his own room. When he had carefully locked the door, he lifted up the cover and saw a white snake lying on the dish. Ugh. The king's been chowing down on some white snake. White snake. <laughs> but when he saw it, he could not deny himself the pleasure of tasting it. So he cut off a little bit and put it into his mouth. No sooner had it touched his tongue than he heard a strange whispering of little voices outside his window. So he went and listened, and then noticed that it was the sparrows who were chattering together and telling one another of all kinds of things which they had seen in the fields and woods. Eating the snake had given him power of understanding the language of animals. Of course. It's a magical snake. He's got magic powers. This is how the king gets all his... News. (laughs) News. <laughs> exactly. That's why nothing was hidden from the king. <laughs> Magic white snake. He could hear the animals chattering away. <laughs> now, it so happened that on this very day, the queen lost her most beautiful ring, and suspicion of having stolen it fell upon this trusty servant who was allowed to go everywhere. Oh, okay. He's yeah. given free reign of... Yeah, he's a, he's a castle bigwig. He's, a... <laughs> <laughs> he's got his own room. <laughs> he does. So the king ordered the man to be brought before him and threatened with angry words that unless he could before the morrow point out the thief, he himself should be looked upon as guilty and executed. Oh, harsh. In vain, he declared his innocence, but was dismissed with no better answer. He said, no, I'm gonna, we're going to execute you oh, unless wow. you find that thief. Pressure's on. In his trouble and fear, he went down into the courtyard and thought about how to help himself out of this trouble. Mm. Now some ducks were sitting together quietly by a brook and taking their rest. And while they were making their feathers smooth with their bills, they were having a confidential conversation together. Ah, and he's listening in, cheeky. They were telling one another of all the places where they'd been waddling about all the morning, (laughs) and what good food they had found. And one said in a pitiful tone, Quack, something heavy lies in my stomach. As I was eating in haste, I swallowed a ring which lay under the queen's window, quack. The servant at once seized her by the neck, carried her to the kitchen, and said to the cook, Here is a fine duck, pray kill her. Yes said the cook. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And weighed her in his hand. She has spared no trouble to fatten herself and has been waiting to be roasted long enough. So he cut off her head and as she was being dressed for the spit, the queen's ring was found inside her. Nice. Mystery solved. (sighs) It's got a happy ending. Yeah, or does it? The servant could now easily prove his innocence and the king, to make amends for the wrong, allowed him to ask a favour and he promised him the best place in the court that he could wish for. So the king's a little embarrassed. Okay, he's, he, he went in a bit strong, straight straight in with the execution. It's like, oh, he's trying to backpedal now. But the servant refused everything and only asked for a horse and some money for travelling, as, ha- <laughs> as, 
as he had a mind to see the world and go about a little. <laughs> he just wants a gap year. He just want, I just want some spending money and a horse. <laughs> I'll be out of your hair. <laughs> when his request was granted, he set out on his way and one day came to a pond. <laughs> that was the trip of a lifetime. Came across a pond. Brilliant. And in this pond, he saw three fishes caught in the reeds and gasping for water. Now, though it is said that fishes are mute. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's forever saying that. Everyone's talking about that. He heard them lamenting that they must perish so miserably. And as he had a kind heart, he got off his horse and put the three prisoners back into the water. They quivered with delight, put out their heads, so poked their heads out of the water and cried to him, we will remember you and repay you for saving us. And he rode on. That's nice. And after a while, it seemed to him that he heard a voice in the sand at his feet. That's weird. Mm, Weird. He listened, and he heard an ant king complain, Why cannot folks with their clumsy beasts keep off our bodies? That stupid horse with his heavy hooves has been treading down my people without mercy. So the servant turned onto a side path to avoid the ants. A side path? What, round the ants? (laughs) It's like ants this way. (laughs) And the ant king cried out to him, we will remember you. One good turn deserves another. Oh, wow. So the ants have got his back. Nice. Mm-hmm. The ant king. That might pay off later. I'm hoping so. The path led him into a woods. So there's a new path he's on. And here he saw two old ravens standing by their nest and throwing out their young ones. Out with you, you idle good-for-nothing creatures. Ooh. We cannot find food for you any longer. You are big enough and can provide for yourselves. But the poor young ravens lay upon the ground, flapping their wings and crying... What helpless chicks we are. We must shift for ourselves, and yet we cannot fly. What can we do but lie here and starve? What? So th- <laughs> These, like, terrible parents. Yeah. So the good young fellow alighted and killed his horse with his sword, and he gave it to them for food. What? He's just murdered his horse? He's just killed the horse so the ravens can be fed. How disproportionate is that? <laughs> oh, there's uh, a few tiny little ra- horse. I bet they eat horse. We will remember you. One good turn deserves another. Well, now he's got to go on foot, surely. Well, yeah, the Grimms are onto that as well. Now he had to use his own legs. And when he had walked a long way, he came to a large city. There was a great noise and crowd in the streets. And a man rode up on horseback, crying aloud, The king's daughter wants her husband, but whoever pursues her hand must perform a hard task. And if he does not succeed, he will forfeit his life. So there's a, there's a big situation in the city. It's, everyone's out in the streets. There's a lot of buzz. Yep. And basically the king is, well, the daughter wants a husband and the king yeah. is launched a, a competition. Challenge. He has, yeah. <laughs> Many had already made the attempt, but in vain. Nevertheless, when the youth saw the king's daughter, he was so overcome by her great beauty that he forgot all danger, went before the king and declared himself a suitor. Oh, he's taking a risk. This is a different king. There's a lot of kings setting up competitions to marry their daughters. <laughs> they either, like, really don't want to marry off their daughters or they're just bored out of their minds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Being king sucks. Let's keep this interesting. So, challenge. Here we go. Okay. He's a suitor. He was led out to the sea and a gold ring was thrown into the sea in his sight. Then the king ordered him to fetch this ring up from the bottom of the sea and added... If you come up again without it, you will be thrown in again and again until you perish amid the waves. Now all the people grieved for the handsome youth. Then they went away, leaving him alone at the sea. <laughs> so they're not interested in seeing yeah, him try. Yeah, it's a spectator sport. Best of luck. Just, yeah. They don't want to watch. Carry on. So he's now got to get the ring from the bottom of the ocean. Wow. So he stood on the shore and considered what he should do. When suddenly 
he saw three fishes come swimming towards him. Hang oh, on. hello. Yeah, it does ring a bell. Because they were the very fishes whose lives he had saved. Oh, amazing. And they swam from the pond to the ocean. That's very clever. <laughs> the one in the middle held a mussel in his mouth, which it laid on the shore at the youth's feet. And when he had taken it up and opened it, there lay the gold ring in the shell. Fantastic. Full of joy, he took himself to the king and expected that he would grant him his promised reward. But Uh when the proud princess perceived that he was not her equal in birth, she scorned him and required him first to perform another task. That's not fair. What, wait, wait. What, mm. Did he sign anything? <laughs> That's not in the rules. Yeah. Just add extra tasks. She is livid. She's furious, right? And she goes herself down into the garden and with her own hands she strews ten sacks full of millet seed on the grass. And then she said... Tomorrow morning, before sunrise, these must be picked up, with not a single grain missing. So she's poured ten sacks full. She really hates this guy. (laughs) The youth sat down in the garden and considered how it might be possible to perform this task. But he could think of nothing. And there he sat sorrowfully, awaiting the break of day, where he should be led to death. He's just given up. He's like, this is impossible. This is sad. It's a bit Rumpelstiltskin-y there. Yeah, true, yeah. But as soon as the first rays of the sun shone into the garden, he saw all the ten sacks standing side by side, quite full, and not a single grain was missing. The ant king had come in the night with thousands and thousands of ants, and the grateful creatures had by great industry picked up all the millet and gathered them into the sacks. That's very nice of them. Good old ant king came through for him. Presently, the king's daughter herself came down into the garden, and was amazed to see that the young man had done the task she had given him. But she could not yet conquer her proud heart and said, Although he has performed both tasks, he shall not be my husband until he has brought me an apple from the tree of life. Whoa, getting biblical. The youth did not know where the tree of life stood. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But he set out, and he would have gone on forever as long as his legs would carry him, though he had no hope of finding it. After he had wandered through three kingdoms, he came one evening to a wood and lay down under a tree to sleep. But he heard a rustling in the branches, and a golden apple fell into his hand. Oh. At the same time, three ravens flew down to him, perched themselves upon his knee, and said, We are the three young ravens whom you saved from starving. When we had grown big and heard that you were seeking the golden apple, we flew over the sea to the end of the world, where the tree of life stands, and have brought you the apple. Now the youth, full of joy, set out homewards, and took the golden apple to the king's beautiful daughter, who had no more excuses left to make. <laughs> they cut the apple of life in two and ate it together, and then her heart became full of love for him. And they lived in undisturbed happiness to a great age. The end. Okay, the white snake doesn't feature very heavily in the story. No, that's true. Get him out of the way at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, it it causes all the action. True. Did you enjoy that? What what on earth was that all about? That was a bit mad, wasn't it? So basically, he he learns uh, to hear the language of animals, and then he goes on uh, gap year, and he does a challenge, and he ends up marrying a beautiful princess. Yeah. The end, really. Yeah. It's a very classic fairy tale. Big thing that stands out for me in the whole thing is 
oh, there's some hungry baby birds. I'm going to murder my horse. That is disproportionate response. Could you've not fetched some berries? You couldn't. You can't get past that. Can Pretty you? sure baby ravens don't eat horse. <laughs> you <laughs> mental case. Well, no one told him that. <laughs> he didn't know. Couldn't the horse talk as well? Wasn't he like? That's true. While wasn't he's he traveling, all the gossip because it wasn't just like ride for him. It was like a traveling companion. Yeah, that's true. That's not right. <laughs> it's almost as if they don't consider the horse an animal in the story. Yeah. It's but it's like a car. That's all it is. It's like an inanimate object. Yeah, or maybe because the, yeah, the other animals are like wild animals, whereas a horse is a sort of domestic animal. So I it's guess, not, yeah, that's true. It's not considered interesting enough <laughs> to be... Yeah. Boring. Bored of the horse. Why a white snake? Wow. Oh, wow. oh hello. Oh, oh, oh. oh hello. hello. Have I asked uh, a pertinent question? You have. You might regret it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Strap in for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Here we go. But something has just occurred to me. Gone. So they make mention of the apple from the tree of life. Yeah. And of course, the location of that in the Bible is told to Eve by the serpent. Is this something you're about to tell me? That's blowing my mind. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I had come across that, like... The, the idea of the snake representing uh, as a symbol of knowledge comes from yeah. the Bible as well, or expanded consciousness. Definitely, you can take that from, yeah, I think it's the, the tree of knowledge in the Bible. It's not the tree that's of it. life. It's not the tree of life, yeah. Yeah, but definitely, there's a definite connection there with the snake. That's one of the most important sort of associations of the snake. Right, yeah. Which is also is a bad thing in the Bible as well. It's, it is, uh, yeah, it's leading Eve astray. So the idea of it as a symbol of knowledge is just one th- strand of uh, symbolism of, of the snake in sure. mythology and folklore. Yeah, it's got different connotations, I suppose. Commonly, it's obviously associated with uh, fertility, for right. obvious reasons. Yeah, But guardianship as well, and in particular medicine. Yes, wrapped around the thingy and the symbol of the, what's it? <laughs> I know Whoa. all my medical stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you study medicine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I think what you're getting to there is the uh, Asclepius. Asclepius. He's a, the Greek god of medicine. Right. Don't know how to pronounce his name clearly, but he's the Greek god of medicine, and he's often depicted with a snake entwined staff. That's it. In Canada, Italy, France, even America, on ambulances, you'll see yep. that snake entwined staff. And it's, it's also the symbol of the Brit- British Medical Association. Right, yes. So the snake has a real deep-rooted uh, association with medicine. Yeah. Now, I came across this thing uh, where I found out that the Grimm's, the Grimm brothers, right? Yep, Grimm boys. They had a theory that fairy tales had links with an ancient religious past and had over time become secularized and therefore the stories contained hidden rituals and rites. The idea being that fairy tales now contain hidden little clues to ways of life in the past. Right. So that got me thinking that possibly Brothers Grimm might postulate that the white snake or eating a white snake has some links to an ancient religious rite or ritual. Interestingly, along that line of thought, I found that apparently in Botswana, there's a cave called the Python Cave which was discovered fairly recently, and it's theorised, some people don't believe this, but some academics theorise that this is the site of the oldest known human ritual from 70,000 years ago. What? Basically, in this cave, there's a statue of a python's head, Whoa. and there's other like cave paintings on the walls, and they found spearheads in the cave, yeah. which they dated back 70,000 years. So, 
possibly, this might be a stretch, but the idea of a white snake has, or eating a white snake, has roots to an ancient sort ancient, of yeah. ritual, religious pagan ritual. The other thing uh, I'd like to just say straight off and just get this out of the way is, I know I gave you some homework to listen to White Snake, the 80s yep. band. Unfortunately, I don't think they are named after this story. No. What are they named after? Lead singer David Coverdale has claimed that White Snake is named after his own White Snake. I guessed it might be that. Oh, I didn't think that. I thought, I was hoping it's not something dirty, and it, it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was your homework. Sorry about that. Here I go again on my own. <laughs> so, the Brothers Grimm, in their notes, reference a few other works. Firstly, they reference a few of their own works. They write notes on all their stories. Okay. And they often compare... Because they were in communication with different uh, folklorists. And they were obviously doing a lot of research. And they were, they were really thorough. And they annotated each story. Writing perhaps similarities with other stories. And for this one, because it's very specific, a white snake. Mm. It's not a lot. But there are two of their own works they reference. So the first is another one from the Grimm's Fairy Tales which is called Donkey Cabbages. But what? <laughs> what? Donkey Cabbages? Donkey Cabbages. Donkey Cabbages. We haven't come across this yet because it's in volume two. Right. So it's not in our list of stories to do because we're just we're doing, doing volume one. the first hundred stories. Yeah. So you might have to wait a while for that <laughs> one. <laughs> Season two. But basically in that story, something similar occurs. A man eats the heart of a dead bird and he can understand animals. They also mention the saga of Seaberg. Now this was a legend in a book called Deutschsagen, or German Legends, which was a book made by the Brothers Grimm. Uh-oh, hello. Uh, it was written and published between 1816 and 1818. It's a two-volume work containing 579 German legends. The first Brothers Grimm fairy tales, Kinder and Hausmarchen, came out in 1812, so it was very shortly after okay. the first fairy tales. And now this little-known mammoth book... It's huge, it's like 579 legends. Oh, wow. It wasn't a very big success at the time of publication. <laughs> like, the Grimm's fairy tales were huge. They were super yeah. popular, as they are now. So I can't... I don't think there's an English translation available to buy of this. But they oh. wrote this other book, which is pretty amazing. But anyway, they basically claim that one of those legends, the saga of the Seaberg, is similar to this story. I've just about managed to find a kind of English... Ooh, okay. version of this. So I'll just sum up to you the story. I'm intrigued because I don't know what Seaberg is. Uh, it's the name of a lake. Oh, uh, okay. Somewhere in Germany, I don't know where. Oh, uh, okay. So basically, fishermen from Lake Seaberg tell this story. So just imagine the Brothers Grimm, like, travelling around Germany. They're sitting in a little pub by a lake and there's some old fishermen yep. and they're recounting uh, the legend of the lake. Yep. So basically, the story goes, the story goes a savage count uh, lived on an island in an old castle, and he led a savage and godless life. Oh, wow. He was a nasty piece of work. Yeah. Uh, one night, he broke through the monastery walls, and he robbed a nun and forced her to his will. Oh, dear. Gets worse. As soon as this happened, he realised it was his own sister. Oh, what? Mm. M. Yeah. Night Shyamalan. Sorry, I, I should have warned you, for, <laughs> warned is... you about this. <laughs> oh, dear, this is... 
But he gave us some money and he apologized, uh, but he still carried on leading a godless and lusty life. Now, one day, he sent for an eel, but his servant... <laughs> he sent for an eel. <laughs> Bring me an eel. <laughs> Fetch me an eel. <laughs> well, like for dinner. Yeah. Uh, but his servant brought him a, a white serpent. Right. Uh, and he stuffed his face with the serpent. He ate it all Obviously. up. Um, and he told his servant, don't have any of the snake. But the servant thought, this looks tasty. Yeah. And he, he tucked in, just like the other story. Yeah. Now, after the pleasure of eating all the snake, all the sins and sacrifices the Count ever committed fell on his heart. And all the animals started screaming at him about his sins. <gasps> now, the, so the Count's there like, oh, this is awful. The servant appears, who's also eating the snake. So he's understanding as well. So the Count says, we better scarper. We better get out of here. Uh, he says, go, you know, go get your stuff. So the servant runs away to like pack up. Yeah. He comes back, but the Count's already on his horse, right? And the cock said, hurry, you better get out of here. He's screaming, get out of here before the sun goes down. And the sun's starting to go down just over the top oh, of the wow. mountain. This is like a... Like an action film. <laughs> it is. The servant like begs, like, take me with you on the horse. But the Count's like, oh, I'm just getting out of here. And he, wrote, he rides out of the castle. And as he gets out, he looks back and the castle collapses. And it leaves a lake where the castle once stood, which is the lake of the Seaberg. So this is the fisherman telling the, sort of, the story of how the lake came wow. about. Then apparently the fishermen say he gave all his money to the monastery. He, turned, he turns good. And he bought the choir and altar some chairs. <laughs> oh what good bloke and today as in in 1816 you can to this day you know silver pots and wooden planks are brought up from the lake of the sunken castle oh, wow. so if they like find something it's like oh that's from the from castle the, of the yeah. count um, so that well, is one bizarre sort of story that features a white snake in Germany sure. now they also I'll, I'll quote you what they say because uh, they, they also refer to other works according to a scotch saga the middle piece of a white snake roasted by the fire gives a knowledge of supernatural things to anyone who shall put his finger into the fat which drops from it. And they say, see Grant Stewart. So, like, look up Grant Stewart right. for details. <laughs> so, after wading through a lot of things about uh, the rising rugby star Grant Stewart, <laughs> rising <laughs> Scottish... How's he doing these days? <laughs> he's, he's doing really well in Scottish Rugby Union, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I eventually found William Grant Stewart who is the author of the 1923 book, Popular Superstitions and Festive Amusements of the Highlanders of Scotland. Oh, <laughs> how very twee. And in chapter three, titled, Of the Fairies as a Community, Their Political Principles and Ingenious Habits. Wow. <laughs> there's the white snake. <laughs> it's, like a it's like a sociological study of fairy uh, communities. This book is fantastic. So I found oh, great. some wonderful person has taken the time to scan in the book online oh, fantastic. and you can flick through it online i'll link it in the blog because it's just there it's free to to read it's just this guy grant stewart going around the highlands like documenting the beliefs of the people it's brilliant and the little fairy communities so in chapter three uh they recount the story of the merchant trader michael scott Michael Scott. Oh yeah. So while I read this the oh, whole yeah, time, merchant, yeah. I was picturing the, the boss of the office, yeah. Steve Carell, basically yeah. the American office. So just just picture him. Yeah. Dunder Mifflin. I tell you what, actually, it's quite long. You know what? I'm not gonna. Oh, but I want to hear about Michael Scott and his wacky going. How's Dwight doing? It's too long. It's too I don't long. think I can. I think I'll put it. I'll put the book if on. If it's on the blog, then yeah. people can check it out. I'll sum it up for you. Basically, he's a merchant trader. And it says he's heading back to the Scottish metropolis. What, what metropolis? That's what it said. <laughs> metropolis. Inverness. Oh, the big lights. 
And uh, he stops on a hill to rest with his um, comrades, and a large serpent came towards them with great velocity. His companions ran off, but Michael Scott, with one stroke of his stick, cut it in three pieces. Oh, wow. Um, and then they go to an inn and stay the night, and they're talking about this story, and the landlady overhears, and there's some weird stuff. Uh, they end up bringing the middle piece of the snake right. to the landlady. She's like, what's that? Oh, I want that. And they bring it. <laughs> what is it? Can I have it? <laughs> and uh, then she, like, cooks the middle piece of the white snake with lots of strange ingredients, oh. and then she feeds him some of it. Then I didn't really understand what happened. Some weird stuff goes on. There's, like, a cox talking. There's a devil didn't really have a clue what was going on there. But by the morning, Michael wakes up and he's got second sight and he leaves with a philosopher's stone in his pocket and he can hear animals. Wait, what? Harry Potter? Is that not Harry Potter? It's, a, it's an actual thing. It's an actual thing? Well, it's not actually an actual thing, but it's kind of an but actual thing. But it's like thing. a thing outside of Harry Potter? In sort of alchemy, it's the sort of fabled, like, it's the crown jewel of alchemists. <laughs> it's what they're looking for. Yeah. But anyway, basically, after this, Michael Scott, he goes in competition against Satan and he takes a, a few thousand of Satan's best workmen into his own employment. And he's basically a rival oh, wow. to Satan. Oh, nice. And he builds lots of bridges and stuff. Then he, uh, then he kills one of his rivals who goes to hell. And the devil, like, shows him around saying, look, we both hate Michael Scott. This is what I've got waiting in store for him, like a bed with leeches in. It's horrible. Ugh. And then um, the devil's like, oh, well, there you go. There's a tour of hell. Sends the guy out. Uh, yeah, back into this the way. world of living. Yeah. yeah, cheers. Thanks for coming. And then <laughs> Exit through the gift shop. The Michael Scott's... Uh, nemesis who he killed and sent to hell starts telling all his mates about what the devil's got in store for michael oh wow michael hears of this and he doesn't really care he says look when i die take out my heart hang it up in the middle of the town if a black raven takes it i'm going to hell if a white dove comes and takes my heart then i'm off upstairs to heaven right he dies put his heart up in the town then at the same time a black raven and a <gasps> white dove come towards the heart yeah racing Black Raven gets there first, but misses, swings past. As it's banking, the white dove scoops in, takes it, and he carried off the heart amidst the cheers and ejaculations of the spectators. So that basically, I, I wasn't even going to go into that story, but that's the story of Michael Scott in the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> I don't remember that episode. <laughs> of The Office. No. <laughs> so that's basically everything... Me and the Brothers Grimm could find <laughs> about the white snake in Good Europe. Good teamwork, lads. Yeah, nice. They did their best. Yeah, no, fair <laughs> enough. But you found more. But they didn't have Google, so... <laughs> exactly. Or the, themselves to research. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically the only mentions of the white snake in, in Europe. Which is weird because it's such a specific... You would imagine this would be like a big central motif. Yeah. However, if you go further afield, mm -hmm. in China... I was suspecting as such... There are considered to be four great Chinese folktales. And one of those four great folktales is called The Legend of the White Snake. Uh, okay. So I'll tell you this story. Okay. <laughs> Basically, this is completely unrelated to our white snake, but yeah. it has that concept of a white snake. Just to really do this a big disservice and sum it up very quickly, because it's yeah. a really important part of Chinese folklore, which is a whole world, man. It's like a cinematic universe. Pretty so, much. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, just to tell you what happens in that, because yeah. it's quite cool. One of the immortals is selling some food at a bridge in Hangzhou. A boy, Zhu Zhan, buys some without knowing that what he's actually bought is immortality pills. Oh, wow. He eats them. He throws up in the river because it's too much. Yeah. And Can't a white it. snake spirit eats them and gains 5,000 years worth of magical powers. <laughs> Wait, what? Leveled up. <laughs> Ding! She 
then uh, at some point, the white snake saves a green snake spirit and they become friends and they both go in a human form. She meets Zhu Zhan, uh, the boy who threw up and she ate the... Vomity pills. Mm-hmm. And they fall in love and they open a medicine shop. <laughs> a medicine shop? <laughs> and the green snake uh, woman is jealous and tricks the white snake woman into drinking some wine, which turns her back into a white snake. And Zhu Zhan dies of shock, her husband. <gasps> But somehow he comes back to life and they ha- live happily ever after. Wait, and there's something does? about a terrapin and the stomach of a crab. But <laughs> I, we're not going to go into that oh, now. The old crab uh, stomach meme, yeah. But basically, just to the point being that there's the white snake is quite important in Chinese folklore. Wow. So from the Scottish Highlands to China, the idea of a magical white snake is kind of uh, widespread. Yeah. And this harks back to the extra groom episode. I mean, is this monogenesis or polygenesis? Has this traveled the world or has it sprung up independently? We will never know, apparently, what you said. <laughs> you last were not time. happy with that. I was not. Though. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, basically, my point is, it's a mystery what this white snake thing is. I mean, it comes up in Chinese. I think if you want to kind of get to the bottom of it, it's best to go in the Chinese mythology route. Right. Because it's a very important part of that. Whereas in Europe, it's sprung up randomly in Scotland and a lake in Germany and this story from Hanau. And that's yeah. it. There's not a clear lineage that I found anywhere else. No, that, that I guess idea. it's not as common a trope as like a, a clever fox or something. Exactly, yeah. Well, I enjoyed that story. It was good, I think. It wasn't one of my favourites, I don't think. No, me neither. What was your um, favourite part? I liked overhearing a confidential discussion with the ducks. <laughs> oh, I swallowed a ring earlier. And he's like, grabs it. Right, you're coming with me. Cook him. Uh, I, yeah, the, the whole stuff at the end with the tree of life happened all very quickly with a golden apple. It's a bit like Newton. It's like an apple fell down from the tree. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, into his hand. It's a bit weird, isn't it? I, I like the idea that there's this huge challenge. The whole city has gone to the shore. The king holds up this gold yeah, ring, throws, throws it, it in. in the waves, and then everyone just walks yeah. off. Like, that's all we came for. I mean, it's a bit... It's because they couldn't have had it where everyone sees the fish. That would have slightly ruined it, giving him the ring. Right, like, They wanted true. it where they feel like he did the challenge. However, it's a big plot hole because people wouldn't just turn and leave going, poor guy, he's going to die. We'd better shoot off home. So, yeah, that doesn't make sense. No one's expecting him to win, so... No. Shoot off? Yeah, you wouldn't. You'd no, watch. You wouldn't. You'd watch you, him drown. You'd watch. You'd watch him drown, yeah. Morbid curiosity. <laughs> There's a lot of princesses being made to marry people they don't want to marry. Oh, uh, yeah, and, I mean... And then they come across... almost every bad. story. I don't like it. It says, she could not yet conquer her proud heart, as if it's her fault that she... Yeah, I know. Love him. She needs to be like... <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, her argument is that he's not of a great enough social standing isn't it he's a servant she's a princess king doesn't mind he's like I've, I've had my games yeah I've had my fun now marry the winner of my little competition please <laughs> in terms of a score though it's tricky it's very tricky it's not going to be one of the highest it's yeah. going to be somewhere in the middle I think I'm going to say 5.5 I think it just doesn't hit a punch it's, it doesn't it's yeah. got all the ing- you know like when you make a meal and you've, right. you've put all the ingredients in and then yeah. it's just a bit bland yeah. <laughs> it's just like why didn't this come together I know something didn't come together yeah in this. it didn't turn out right a bit toothless I, I was thinking like 6 but I think that you okay. might be right with 5.5 I think that's probably an accurate reflection 
I'm going to give it 5.5. Oh, we're matching the score. Five. That's 11. Yeah, that's pretty good. 11 out of 20. Score. Yeah. So what have we got next? What have we got next? Is it the fox and his cousin? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fox and his cousin. Oh. <laughs> is his cousin another fox? I'm guessing so. You'll have to wait and see. I can't wait. I've <laughs> got that to look forward to. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. Um, no.